Question number 16. DC or Marvel? Please state your case. Again, I didn't have a strong DC or Marvel upbringing. Uh, so I, I can't really give a definitive answer on about this. Um, I have enjoyed the Batmans that I've been reading. I think I will enjoy the Green Lantern. Uh, but at the same time, I mean, I'm, I'm loving the Guardians of the Galaxy. I enjoyed Marvel's Conan, although I suppose that that's not really a superhero, so I can't really include that. Um, but in terms of uh, sort of uh, the sort of superhero stuff that I'm interested in reading at the moment, uh, when I get through all the sort of the cosmic or the Marvel universe, whatever it's called, I, I'd probably be checking out... Um, more Batman and Green Lantern. So, in terms of uh, my future attentions, perhaps DC is winning. Probably Marvel. Um, just because I guess they have a few more of the things that I like, and they seem to know how to run their company a little bit better. DC, I guess as I record this, they are or were doing that New 52 thing. I don't know if that's still going on or if they realize that it was the stupid idea that it was um i guess i'm more frustrated because you know as i said film is my medium and when it comes to that it's all about marvel like dc doesn't have a single clue how to produce any one of their films and the more involved they are in their films the more they suck i mean if you saw that green lantern movie it was awful and uh you know superman returns was terrible and why should they be? They shouldn't be. These are, you know, great iconic characters. But I think that uh, DC doesn't really know what to do with them or how to manage them. I mean, why isn't there a Wonder Woman movie? I, th there's no good reason for that. Um, Marvel, at least, recognizes what they've got and knows how to get it to the screen. And then when it wasn't working, they, they decided that, uh, you know, let's, you know, start our own studio and have more control over it. And most of those Marvel movies have been good. I mean, I didn't like Thor or uh, Iron Man 2, but those were still, you know, not as bad as, you know, Green Lantern or Superman Returns. So uh, maybe it didn't really answer the question directly, but I would say probably Marvel. Marvel. I'm a complete Marvel fan. Always have been. I've been a Marvel fan since I was eight or nine. Just never liked DC enough to buy any of DC stuff. I've, I've read a couple of their collect edition, you know, the trade paperbacks for some of their stuff, but I've never actually bought any DC comics. For some reason, I just... I'm not that enthralled by DC. I don't know why. DC have a much better universe, much cleaner universe, up until very recently, uh, continuity-wise, than Marvel did, but I just kept coming back to Marvel. I don't know why. Also, in answer to your question uh, from the previous one, I love Superman. But seeing as how he's a DC character, I just don't read DC, so therefore Captain America becomes my default Boy Scout character. That's just the way it is, Regan. I have to go with uh, Marvel. And I guess the reason why is, I guess, movie fan franchises are doing really well on. Um, they, seem to, and, you know, they seem to be on the ball. DC, it's only really the Christopher Nolan movies have gotten a lot of good feedback. Um, and I like the movies too, so, I mean, even if the last one is a bit debatable and how the story wise, but I still enjoyed it. I guess for the comics itself, uh, Marvel seems to be kind of always more, you know, it's not, I mean, yeah, it's still kids' comics, but they speak on a more of an adult, grown up 
mature level than maybe DC Comics, depending on the series. Um, you know, Marvel has always revamped their stuff over and over. They guess the same for DC, but um, I don't know. It's just Marvel just seems a bit more edgier for me, and they just I guess they had the cool factor going them more so than DC. But I mean, that's just my opinion on that. I got a friend of mine who love who's been reading the new Spider-Man reissues, and he's loved those. I'm not sure if he's still reading them or not. Obviously, I'm going to say DC. Everybody knows all the good writers from Marvel went over to DC now. What's the point of reading Marvel anymore? DC is better. DC has become superior. Okay, Maybe in the past it wasn't the case, but come on, all you Marvel fanboys. Join the dark side. Definitely DC. Uh, I don't know. The reason I like DC is I like the characters better. I mean, I, if you look, I, I originally would think I like Marvel better because they seem cooler. But when you actually get down and, like, read the comics, I don't know. I just like the characters better in DC. Like, Batman's amazing. And I also like the over-the-top stuff in DC. I like, like, I like that they're too strong and they're so crazy. So I like a lot of Marvel stuff. Like, I, I just read Marvel Annihilation, all that cosmic stuff, and that's really, really cool. So for, for Marvel, I like the cosmic hero stuff. But overall, yeah, definitely there's no denying I like DC better. I don't know why. I would think I like Marvel better, but if I look at what I read, most of it's DC. So DC, just better writers. I'm gonna stick by my guns. So there you go. Before I do that, I actually forgot to name my favorite supervillain, didn't I? Um, favorite supervillains are usually guys who I think are you know, and to use the same pro wrestling logic mentality mentality the best villains are the people who think themselves heroes and i think one of my favorite super villains is actually on the dc side uh jeff john's creation zoom not uh, professor zoom the old um arch enemy of the flash this guy was uh, a guy with similar powers similar outfit but he wasn't uh, called professor zoom he was just a zoom and the reason this guy was great is that he was one of the Flash's friends, a guy named Hunter Zolomon, and he was a cop, and he was uh, confined to a wheelchair due to a mistake that he'd made, and so he ended up thinking that, hey, you're the Flash, you can go back in time because you can run so fast, go back and freaking save my legs, man, save, uh, you know, my, my, my dead wife, or what have you, um, not wife, I'm sorry, um, father-in-law, I think it was. I can't remember at this point. No, you've got me on the spot. It's very early in the morning. I literally just woke up as I'm recording this. But anyway, there was a tragedy in his past. Uh, he ended up getting someone close to him killed. He ended up being wheelchair bound. The Flash refused to go back in time to save him. He was like, dude, what the heck's your problem, man? The Flash is like, can't go back in time and screw up stuff because, uh, you know, bad things will happen. Never mind the fact that the whole current DC relaunch is because the Flash went back in time and screwed things up. D different guy, true, but... Um, Anyway, the, the point of this tale I'm getting at is the reason this guy's a, a great villain is that through happenstance, he ends up uh, turning himself into a, a villain who can uh, be sort of unstuck in time and uh, is able to move extremely fast uh, that way, not really through a physics, but through a operating on a different timeline. And his deal in life is that he wants to make the Flash a better person, a better hero. And the only real way that you can become a better hero, this guy has concluded, is uh, through adversity in your life, through having a tragedy befall you. The Flash, oh, you got your powers from, you know, being struck by lightning and what have you. Um, 
you know, different Flash origins, of course, for different guys, but they all pretty much got their powers through similar uh, tales. And, uh, you know, you didn't really lose somebody close to you. So this guy, Zoom, is just always, like, trying to kill the Flash's unborn children or wife or what have you by doing things like time stream related. And um, it's it's really great because he's like, I'm doing this in your own best interest, man. You're going to do this and you're going to feel like really sorrowful and you're going to want vengeance upon all the evil. And then you'll go and, you know, wage a war. Look at Batman. Look at how great he is. Look at Superman. He lost his whole planet. You know, you need some tragedy in your life. I'm helping. I'm helping, guys. And so Zoom was great. I thought um, he had a really uh, unique... Um, motive for being incredibly evil he had a, a way, weird way of talking because even though he was unstuck in time he would have periods where he would like speak normally and then speak incredibly quickly and then speak really slowly and like a sort of distortion to sort of show that he was like vibrating at an uneven uh, rate relative to everyone else going through time i thought he was a really great villain and um he doesn't really exist anymore they took away his powers and uh ever since the dc relaunch uh that character just doesn't exist. Um, but Professor Zoom, who is exponentially less interesting, does exist. So that was answering the previous question. Now to answer the current question, which is DC or Marvel. And even though I just spent all that time talking about DC, the abs- answer is absolutely 100% Marvel. Um, DC, I feel, is a little too inept as far as going back to the silver age i mean um and this is 100 percent of jeff john's thing is like i want to return things to the silver age to the challenge of the super friends era only um with uh much more violence and gore and rape and all that stuff and i don't actually object to that at all but i feel that by and large with the the relaunch and all that stuff it, it isn't really working as well as I would like it to. I think a lot of the changes just aren't going through all that good. Even before the relaunch, I was always a Marvel guy. I think um, the problem with so many of the DC heroes is, well, several fold. But in general, the Marvel heroes are a little more relatable, um, especially since I am not a white dude. Uh, Marvel's a little more racially diverse, a little more, um, you know, I, I don't really can't you know i don't even identify that much with not being white i'm I'm just trying to sound intellectual I'm, I'm such a liar i don't really care if people are all white or not enough uh people of color or not enough women or what have you but uh power set wise marvel heroes tend to not be um as god tier powerful and that makes them more human i suppose it's a little more feasible they could lose a fight um i'm never really concerned that batman's gonna lose or that superman's gonna lose uh, or that uh, Wonder Woman's going to get beat. Um, Captain America, even though he's uh, the peak of human humanity, uh, a lot of times his enemies, you know, are overwhelming him, you know, and how how's he going to pull this one off? And the way he does is, you know, strength of moral character, you know, more so than that he can punch the crap out of people. Uh, Spider-Man, perfect example of that. Um, Spider-Man is like the sort of hero that we the reader would be like he gets his powers and the first thing he does is like i'm not gonna be a hero i'm gonna be awesome i'm gonna take revenge on all the bullies who picked on me i'm gonna make money yo that's that's a very real um response to sort of being a hero and then he you know learns to to sort of grow up which is the part that we didn't do that's the fantasy part of spider-man um in general i feel that marvel is just a little better at keeping their events together the the writers that they've got a lot of them came from that crime comics background. Like I was saying, I was reading crime comics for a while um, before the superhero stuff. And a lot of those guys are sort of taking that 
sensibility and applying it to their superhero writing. And um, a lot of the DC guys, you know, some of them came in from that background and all of them left pretty much. I don't know um, who's really there now that on the DC side, but whereas on Marvel side, they've got like Bendis and Rucka and Brubacker and even Mark Andreco, I think is still around. Um, although he went to DC and did Manhunter for a bit. Um, a lot of those dudes, you know, crime fiction comic guys. And uh, that's part of why they um, have made the Marvel universe a little more uh, palatable to me as a result uh, than DC. Yeah. DC is just, um, they, they want to do things and they just don't, they don't seem to stick the execution nearly as well as Marvel seems to. Uh, but I do read both, you know, again, I'm not a fan. I, uh, I steal all of it. So, um, that's, uh, the short answer. I didn't really answer that very well. I don't think I didn't think it through. It's a big question to answer. Question number 17. Are you a fan of any, uh, non anime animation? If so, uh, what titles do you like? I know we've talked about this on the show before, I think. Uh, so I'll just try and uh, include some things that I haven't talked about before. But I mean, yes, I'm certainly a, a, an animation fan overall, not just Japanese. It's just that uh, a lot of the Japanese stuff is more rewarding, you know, for uh, especially the, you know, the decade of decadence and a hundred and ten percent that was the 80s you know some of the amazing stuff that was made during that time uh you know it was one of the reasons that got us into japanese animation in the first place but uh i mean i have have certainly been fascinated with the idea of cartoons for adults or, or the the notion that cartoons aren't just for kids ever since i was a kid myself um discovering fritz the cat at the video shop well, it was actually the sequel, The Nine Lives of Fritz the Cat, that I saw on the shelf there. Uh, and I saw a cartoon that was R. And, you know, Australia's um, ratings are, are more lenient. So R is a much sort of stronger rating in Australia than it is in, in the US. And to see an R-rated cartoon, it just, like, it made me speechless for days. Uh -huh. And I was just obsessed with checking this out, you know, a cartoon for adults. Uh, and I would get my wish <laughs> so, ten years later or so. Um, but uh, besides that, some cartoons that I recommend you check out. I mean, I, I won't talk about anything that's uh, that's recent, but some good 80s stuff. Uh, I would certainly say The Adventures of the Galaxy Rangers, which uh, is, you know, I just adore it. I bought both the box sets that came out a few years ago uh, and it was well worth the purchase um, it was uh, the animation was done by um, TMS Entertainment uh, some of the best animators working in Japan at the time uh, it was a sci-fi TV cartoon uh, where you know it wasn't just your G.I. Joe shoot the airplane parachute out and everyone's okay bullshit it was um you know it, it, the action was real people would get shot and killed in, in in each episode uh there was a lot of sort of darker stuff put in there i mean i'm sure there was some goofy kid stuff in there as well because you know they had to be uh clever about it and careful about it and not sort of um you know shove its maturity in people's faces but uh there was a lot of stuff that you know that set a bar to me and it's difficult to watch a lot of other sort of so-called uh, 
kids action cartoons of the 80s now because I just can't tolerate the notion like the X-Men cartoon is just you know the absolute worst uh, of the worst when it comes to this you know there'll be explosions everywhere and you know, the tank will fume and and spout smoke and everyone will get out and then it'll explode and then you know the camera will uh they won't change the scene until you see the soldier get up and oh he's okay he's alive you know it's just absolute bullshit uh and it you know it really depicts violence as something without consequences which in a way is actually worse so the galaxy rangers um you know they had on some of the episodes i mean the animation quality varies throughout but some of the episodes they had not only the a team the so-called a team work on it but also the s team the theatrical team these are people that worked on animating akira and things like that so um you know, the galaxy rangers it it's a sci-fi with lots of aliens and um uh you know very 80s you've got a, a great sort of neon color scheme so it sort of combines all the things i love sort of good animation uh a bit more of a mature storyline and uh it's definitely one of my favorite uh, probably my favorite non-japanese animated tv series actually um and just a few months ago i sort of wanted to look at stuff that was a bit more ahead of its time or uh not something that i could appreciate as an adult uh you know go back and watch he-man and you're not going to be uh, terribly uh happy with what you see you're going to be a bit disappointed so i bought uh the box set of gem and i had not watched much of gem at all as a kid but i mean i can appreciate it a lot now um I know it was written by Christy Marks, who worked at Sierra. I was a huge Sierra fan. Uh, it was my big hobby before anime, actually. So, And I've got Christy Marks' autograph and the autograph of everyone at Sierra online, but that's a whole other story. But yeah, um, Gem, you know, uh, uh, a bit ahead of its time, I think. Uh, definitely, they put some stuff in there that was more for teens as opposed to kids. Uh and then Galaxy High, which was um, sort of it was Chris Columbus, didn't, maybe Steven Spielberg produced it, also animated by uh, TMS Entertainment. So another sort of Japanese link there. Uh, very well animated. Uh, it's about a high school in space, thus the name Galaxy High School. Uh, and I just, I also had a ball watching that. Uh, there was a heavy reliance on catchphrases, but, you know, it's the 1980s and um, uh, catchphrases would just get more and more and more prominent until uh, Full House came along and then just made everyone suicidal from catchphrase overdose. But, uh, I, I, yeah, I really enjoyed Galaxy High. Uh, good animation there. And, again, uh, it's something that I can enjoy as an adult. It's not just sort of kiddie stories and uh, they had a... Uh, one award-winning episode that uh, dealt with drugs, and it was not—it was not sort of in your face like the uh, the, the cartoon All Stars uh, anti-drug cartoon. Remember when that came out? You know, Alf and Gonzo and uh, all all the different characters came together to make a cartoon about uh, drug prevention. Um, so yes, and of course, uh, I mean, I would say Ralph Bakshi. I mean, he is a pioneer of sort of adult animation, but at the same time, I think he's not always the greatest director. I mean, I appreciate what he has done, 
as opposed to what he actually does, if that makes any sense. I appreciate uh, that he pioneered adult animation, but um, I think a lot of his stuff is uh, not entirely watchable, or the pacing can be a bit off. Um, but, you know, it, he definitely deserves uh, a mention there. Oh, I, I love all animation. Um, I was watching uh, Tron Uprising, which is a really well-written show. It just The show just kind of looks really bad. I just don't like how the character designs look. I watched, uh, um, you know, I like Metalocalypse when it's not, you know, being super gory. I like, uh, I was watching um, the Justice League of America and the Superman TV series. The DC stuff works a lot better when it's animated and uh, when, like, Paul Dini and stuff get to work on it. Um, but, uh, and the Batman, the animated series, that is just excellent. Love it to death. So, uh, you know, those those sorts of things I, I really enjoy. Um, uh, other animated stuff, I I do watch, you know, My Little Pony and such. I'm, I don't call myself a brony or anything like that, but that was, you know, a very fun show. Um, I also am watching a Wakfu, a French show, which is beautiful. Like, it's one of the most beautiful shows I've ever seen, even though it doesn't do anything unusual. It's, you know, your basic sort of RPG storyline, just with a French take on it, which is interesting, and I, I can appreciate that. Jesus Christ. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'd probably say so. I've been watching animation since I was five. Uh, God, The Adventures of Mark Twain, Adventures of the American Rabbit, The Get Along Gang, Real Ghostbusters, Rainbow Bright, My Little Pony, the original RoboCop cartoon series. Yeah, remember that? Uh, yeah, I'd probably say, yeah, I am a fan. I watch just about everything that you can lay your hands on this animation. I mean, even today, you know, a 30-year-old man, I find myself walking by the TV and there's an animation and I've never seen it before, I'll sit down. It could be the worst rubbish in the world. I'll still watch it because it's animation. What titles do I like? Jam and the Holograms, Mysterious Cities of Gold, and Pole Position, all of which I own on DVD. I pretty much watch whatever's on Adult Swim, so I mean, I like Aqua Teen Hunger Force, I like um, Harvey Birdman, uh, I, like, I think Space, uh, Space Ghost is a cool show. I mean, the comedy's a bit hit or miss, but you have to be in one of these stupid mellow out, mellowed out moods to just enjoy the show for what it is, and I do get some kicks out of that show. You know, I enjoy the ba uh, I enjoy the Brack show too. That was good dumb comedy. Um, there's been other stuff on Adult Swim too. Like um, I love. I wish this became a, a series itself. And it's sad that it's a pilot, but it's a good pilot. And that's the Eltingville Club by um, Evan Dorkin, which that was based on the Dork comics. Which I have all of his issues except the ones except the one that is based off the pilot of the show that they did. Or the Eltingville Club show, which I probably will find that one day, but there's our, there are other Eltingville Club, like, you know, chapters and story arcs, not really story arcs, but more to it in, in his comics, which, those are absolutely hysterical, like, they got one where they harass this guy on QVC because he got, like, a superhero wrong, like him and, um, it was Josh and, uh, Bill, and they joined up and just ran on the guy until the guy goes suicidal on, like, you know, TV at three in the morning, and then they have one where 
this um, bunch of these people try to undork Bill, and like they basically kidnap him because his parents pay these guys, but he winds up using reverse psychology on them, so they revert back to their old geeky ways and collecting. In the end, it's really good stuff. Like they even have one of they go to a tw- they stay up for a Twilight Zone marathon over a weekend, and that just ends horribly. <laughs> um, Oh, I think another good episode show I like that was on Adult Swim was uh, Mission Hill, which is like one of those coming-of-age shows that's about growing up. And if you're in your 20s, you can really relate to the character of the show. And my brother and I are always kind of like, um, yeah, I guess if it can compare us to the two people from that show regarding my brother and I, like one of us is the Andy French, the other one is the Kevin French. Uh, I'm kind of more the Andy French since I'm the oldest of my brother, and well, even though we're both dorks, so... <laughs> Not really one could be contested as the Kevin French of that show when we're both just as nerdy. But even though I'm probably more nerdy, so... But uh, if we had a dog named... We would definitely name it Stogie and try to get it to drink. That would be so awesome. We're probably getting in big trouble for that. Uh, let's see. I've enjoyed Archer on FX. That's a great show, too. Um, Home Movies is another show that I absolutely loved. Um... I just, I mean, obviously people, I think people watch home movies because of, uh, you know, John Benjamin's role, obviously in that and Archer, but, yeah, I mean, Coach McGurk is obviously the main person to look at in that show in terms of comedy, but there's also the other characters on there do pretty well with their comedy, too, on talking about stuff, so, I I can't really get any more elaborate than that. Um, I enjoyed Daria when I was on MTV, when I was, when I watched it, um, you know, 12... 13 years ago, and um, and I definitely picked up the DVD series when that came out, even though I downloaded it a year before it came out on DVD so I can watch the show, um, and I guess this might constitute for Saturday morning cartoons, but I've got the first three collections of Animaniacs on DVD, I have a bootleg copy of Freakazoid that I got a couple years before that was released official on DVD, um, yeah, I had I had a pretty awesome childhood in the 90s. I'm very glad I grew up in the 90s when I did. I mean, there's other cartoons. I mean, I've definitely watched Batman, the animated series, as well as Superman. Um, I'll watch some other stupid cartoon shows that I would like to check out eventually, like uh, Road Rovers, if anybody remembers that. Um, Rock is Modern Life is another great show. There, there's just way too much to list. But I think you guys get the gist of that. So, I Anime is my, you know... Obviously, my current passion, but I mean, I love '90s shows, so especially animated shows. Um, I mean, MTV had some other good shows too, like uh, Three South is another one where a bunch of idiots, you know, go to a community college, which is like the worst in the country. That show is hilarious. Um, I did like The Max. That was that was pretty cool. And uh, there's probably a few others. I did like a little bit of the new Beavis and Butthead show. So found it pretty entertaining that you can break in, they can break into a UAV control room and eventually get the plane to crash at the base at the rat and just chaos ensues and they just walk away like they always do. Um, I think I said pretty much for those kind of shows and if you guys have never heard of those shows definitely check them out. They're up your alley completely. Yeah, I'm a fan of a lot of uh, non-Japanese animation. I'm a huge fan of South Park. I love South Park. Um, when it comes to comedy, American animation is always really, really good. So South Park's definitely my favorite of all those uh, American comedy animations. Also, I'm a huge fan of Valerian and Laureleen, Time Jam, the French uh, sci-fi animation. So definitely go check those out. And uh, definitely my favorite, and I think really the best uh, non-Japanese animation 
show going today is Star Wars The Clone Wars. It's just a great epic show, and I definitely think you should check it out. I'm a huge fan. I love Star Wars overall, but uh, Clone Wars is really coming into itself and becoming just an amazing show. So the animation's improving. The stories are coming together, and uh, yeah, definitely. So South Park, Star Wars, and Time Jam. Check them out. Um, well, sure. I watch the superhero cartoons, of course, as I just mentioned. I like the Avengers cartoon. Um, Ultimate Spider-Man is uh, not as appealing to me as spectacular, but it looks amazing. And I do <laughs> like a uh, great adjective there. Um, I don't like the writing style of it as much being very family guy oriented, but it has gotten better as far as that goes. A lot of the stuff on Disney XD lately has been very, very good. Those are both Disney XD shows. Um, and in, even still, their current set of stuff like Gravity Falls and uh, even Motor City is, you know, I like the way Motor City looks and the, the music of it more than I like the characters and the story. Um, I, I know that's a minority perspective on the AWO. I know uh, everyone else is insane over Motor City, uh, the characters. They say uh, they're the best part. I um, may- Maybe it's just, uh, I don't know, it seemed, that seems a little too kitty to me, given um, you know the premise, but hey, what are you going to do? Uh, it'll probably grow on me a little more, more I think about it. Um, yeah, the Green Lantern cartoon was Cartoon Network, um, but I, I haven't really watched too much Cartoon Network stuff. Nickelodeon... Uh, I can't get into Avatar. I can't get into Korra. It's just, um, you know, the fans of it are just way too annoying and the show doesn't seem like it's that good to substantiate it. I, I keep trying to watch it and seeing like, what's the big deal about it? And it's like, okay, it looks, it's animated nicely. And I just, you know, the story just, uh, I don't know. I don't like these characters, especially, I think really I just, that well has just been poisoned by the fan base of it. And I just like, when I see these things, I think this is what these people are reacting to later on years from now, or like, this is where this is going to go. And I, that's in the back of my head. And I, I still haven't given that show a fair enough shot. I got to give it like even more years to pass and be forgotten about before I can, you know, really give avatar like it's fair shot. Um, but the main thing I, I like the most of all non, um, anime animation on us Sting is a cartoon network thing. And that's clone wars, uh, the star Wars cartoon. I uh, didn't expect to like Clone Wars at all. I didn't like the way that it looked. That movie was so bad. I refused to even watch it to this day. And then I started watching it and I was like, "Yeah, this is really mediocre, but even mediocrity is better than the prequels. And then over time, I saw that it ranged from like the worst Clone Wars episodes, like the Jar Jar stuff. Even those are like, eh, this is okay. And when it's good, it is incredibly great. And um, I come from a generation where deep down we really still want to love Star Wars. And I do really still want to love Star Wars and Clone Wars is like, you know, when it's on and it's frequently, you know, firing on all cylinders, it is that same feeling I got from watching Star Wars as a kid in my youth, even though it's set during that prequel trilogy time frame that is, you know, such a, you know, horror to so many people, including uh, even myself at this point. Um, I'm also really big as far as Cartoon Network stuff. I love the Black Dynamite cartoon. I think that is like so brilliant. I love the Black Dynamite movie. And I know there are lots of people who are like, oh, this Black Dynamite cartoon is nothing at all like the same type of humor as the film. And I'm like, uh, screw you, dudes. This is incredibly, incredibly good. Um, so yeah, as far as that's, that's like what's currently on that I am into. Uh, I'm not, I haven't watched a single episode of this Scooby Doo Mystery Incorporated that everyone is, uh, you know, going nuts over. Haven't, haven't seen any of it. I, um, you know, obviously, I, the main objection to that is people like 
have acknowledged that Scooby-Doo has been terrible for many, many years, and apparently this one is exceptionally good. But um, I haven't seen any of it. Uh, I don't know anything about it. Um, I was never really a, a fan of Scooby-Doo in the first place. My favorite episodes of the old ones were when other people would show up as guests. Um, but I keep hearing everyone say, yeah, that's all true, but this one is good. So someday I'll get around to that one. Um I don't even have any objections to the fans of Scooby-Doo or anything. That's just a time thing. Um, but yeah, other than that, I'm, I'm basically watching like the superhero cartoons and, and pretty much liking most all of them. I, I did not like Young Justice very much. I mean, I wanted to. Um, but that, that dude, um, is just, uh, that, that head writer, that gargoyles guy is, um, even though he worked on Spectacular Spider-Man, it's like, dude, I get you like Midsummer Night's Dream, but find a new gimmick. Um, People telling me that Young Justice, you know, took a very significant turn tonally and premise-wise in uh, the later episodes of season two. Maybe I'll check it out. Maybe I'll like that. But uh, I just, it was just too annoying. I couldn't get into it. Um, but other than that, yeah, those are the American comic uh, cartoons that I'm watching. Uh, I'm sure I'm missing out on neglecting to mention some others. But that's, uh, you know, probably more anime. <laughs> probably more than I'm watching anime right now, to be honest. Question number 18. Do you collect any anime-related collectibles slash memorabilia? Yes, I do. Uh, in fact, it probably makes the bulk of my anime purchasing now, given that uh, I don't buy a lot of new stuff because I don't watch a lot of new stuff. Uh, at the moment, I have got a lot of sort of um, different mecha collectibles, uh, or, well, figures, uh, the, the, the the ones that... Uh, I can't remember what... what the brand name is now, but they're ones that, that can be adjusted into any position you like, and they can be displayed very well. I've got uh, quite a few... Uh, Revotech, is that what they're called? And I've got quite a few Hokdon or Ken figures, and I just bought a recent... Uh, made by Sega, actually, uh, a special edition statue of uh, Ken Shiro uh, standing up at the ready, which is uh, very beautiful. Um, but aside from the toys... Uh, one of my prized possessions is actually an original animation cell from Robot Carnival from uh, the Deprive segment. Uh, and that was actually... Uh, the, the music from Deprive was playing in uh, one of the old anime Pacific promos, as Daryl Surratt had noticed. Uh, and uh, yeah, I have a animation cell from Deprive. Um, it's just... It's the main... The robot, uh, and he's leaping... Uh, and there's an explosion going on behind him, and it's a, it's a cool little cell, and it's also got the background. Um, so that was a, a prized possession, uh, and it, that's currently in a drawer somewhere in Australia, uh, next to my autographed Kevin Sorbo and Michael Hurst uh, picture. And um, I had also owned a, uh, a Le Blue Girl cell, actually, just because uh, it was a really cool-looking cell, and it was cheap, and I bought it online, but I had... Uh, sold that one. When I was in Japan in 1997, I went into every shop I could and asked if if they had any spare posters, like promotional posters. Uh, one of the Can Can Bunny games was being released and they had a big poster for that, one that is not normally, uh, you know, obtainable just by purchasing it. It's only for retailers, but, you know, the guy in the shop gave me the poster. Uh, and I got a lot of other posters this way, things that were, you know, usually only given to retailers. Uh, in retrospect, I wish I would have taken better care of them. I just blue-tacked them on my wall and they sort of got all torn up over the years. I really regret that. Um, 
I also got uh, a loop in the third poster, which um, from the 70s, I believe, uh, which I had the good grace to uh, frame that one. I try to uh, keep my collecting kind of to a minimum, but I am a big fan of pretty much anything Galforce. Um, and I can and I can be a fan of anything Galforce because there isn't a lot of merchandise out there. Certainly nothing new is being produced. Um, I think the last thing might have been some little uh, Gashapon figure that was done like seven, six, five years ago or something, and that was just a catty. Um, so I will collect anything Galforce, but uh, that, that's easy. Um, I do collect some cells here and there, but uh, cell prices have been going up and up and up. I used to be able to get, you know, a nice cell for about 30, 40 bucks or 50 or 60 bucks. And now to get a crappy cell is now like 80 bucks. And so that's, uh, that market has almost died for me. Um, and it's getting smaller and smaller. So I guess, you know, the fewer and fewer people that are in it are now paying a higher and higher price for it. Um, I also like, you know, some figures here and there. I like building uh, mecha model kits. Uh, I don't know if I'd say I'm a collector of that. I'm just, you know, like to build them. Yes. Yes, I do. Mostly figurines. Not really soundtracks. I, I'm just not a soundtracky kind of a guy. Shameful secret. I have all of the figures from the main band set of Kaon except for Ritsu. For some odd reason, I never got around to collecting Ritsu. I don't know why. I've only ever watched the first season of Kaon. I, I, I wasn't that pushed by Kaon, but for some odd reason, I found myself buying these figurines. I don't know why, but I did. There you go. I sure do, or whatever I think might be collectible-ish. Um, I guess if you can count physical media regarding watching videos as collectibles, then I've got some stuff like that, especially old VHS tapes and Laserdisc. So those, yeah, I do, I, and I get around to collecting figures whenever I can. I'm not too much on collecting figures from now, from, you know, unless it's from a specific anime series that I like, which that'll be what I'll talk about in the next question. Yes, I do. I collect posters, I collect toys, I collect a lot of stuff, so... Any 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 80s memorabilia stuff. I also collect those little mooks, those little Japanese books that have like posters and different uh, art from different shows. So definitely collect a lot of vintage uh, anime-related stuff. I used to collect other stuff. I used to have some action figures. I used to collect Gundam model stuff. And then I found that I was just collecting stuff and I don't have anywhere to put them. I don't have any time to build the models. Uh, I, I So I don't really buy much memorabilia anymore i i try it's it's good for me because when i go to anime conventions dealers rooms i'm frequently not buying anything um but my home is overrun with uh discs with manga with games and so i i kind of like the show more than i like the material ancillary to the show which is very different from the modern anime fan the modern manga fan they want maybe to not necessarily buy the show so much as buy like a keychain or charm or a figurine or something like that of character from the show that they like i don't really work that way i don't think um i'd love to get roman albums and stuff but they're not in english all i can do is look at pictures and be like okay that's cool i mean uh, i do have the uh samurai shampoo roman album that dark horse released it's a really good book because i can read the information in it that's about it i don't really uh i'm not really in the memorabilia stuff uh, no toys really anymore. I mean, they're all in boxes, mostly unopened or in pieces. 
even if they were really expensive, like $60 things, they're all like thrown in a box. I don't have any sense of monetary value of things. What personally is your most valuable collectible? Not so much in what it's worth in the money, but as in personally, it's the most special to you. Well, if you're talking uh, sentimental value or financial value, I suppose the uh, robot carnival one would have to come up the top definitely for uh, financial value because it cost several hundred dollars uh, at the time, and that was in the uh, late 90s, I believe. Although I have to admit the uh, one item that I would like on a desert island with me where I stranded would be the... uh, the Revoltec Hokdono Ken figurine, in particular the uh, the goon. I mean, there is one goon figurine that looks all sort of menacing, uh, or perhaps he has just listened to Ken Shiro say, Omeo wo mo shinderu, and the guy is saying, No, I'm not dead. Then you can uh, adjust him to half exploded head, and then uh, you can adjust him again to fully exploded head with brain coming out. And you can even pull out his little spinal cord. Um, so uh, I think in terms of uh, novelty value and showing that to people and the reaction people get from that, that's definitely the, the number one. Um, however, uh, it was not terribly expensive to buy. Probably the most special item to me is a cell of Pris's hard suit from the bubblegum crisis OAVs, the original ones. And I, I really love it. And I also got, I didn't get the cell itself signed, but I did get it autographed by Shinji Aramaki, who saw it and uh, he looked at me and said, where did you get this? Because apparently that cell was particularly hard to find or that series of cells is very hard to find. And then he he drew a hard suit on uh, the paper to for signing it, and so that that's a really really treasured item for me. I, I love it greatly. My most valuable collectible has got to be the limited edition DVD of Ghost in the Shell, which had this huge kind of like two hundred page storyboard book to go with it in Japanese. It was issued in Japan by Katakawa Video, I believe, and it comes with English subtitles. It's the best looking version of the original version of Ghost in the Shell that I can find. I love it to bits. And it's held in this kind of slipcase plastic cover with um, a hardback book cover on one side and a plastic fold-out. It's just great. I love it. It's just so over the top. It cost me like $100 or something like that. I don't care. I love it. I guess if you're talking for physical media to watch stuff, um, Evangelion is so far the th- the thing that co- is the most expensive or costs the most that I have. Which the Tim, I got the Platinum Edition Tim box set for like three years ago for forty bucks, and that sucker's worth two hundred fifty on eBay. So I don't plan on giving that thing up anytime soon, unless I need two hundred fifty bucks badly. Um, and of course I got some VHS tapes. Like I got Super Deformed Double Feature, which that sells for something on eBay. Um, I got Macross Clash of the Bionoids. I'm proud to own that. Um, and I've got some other VHS tapes that are apparently worth money that, it, that I kind of sort of know about. Uh, I think Technopolis 21C might still be worth something. Um, but regarding close to my heart instead of just cash-wise, um, I want to—I like to say, especially for my figurines, um, my Bubblegum Crisis figures are probably the things I value the most. I've got the first 
of the Pris Asagiri Alter Psy 116 um, action figures that they did back in 2000 and f- like yeah 2005, which those are they don't make those anymore and those are like hell expensive. Um, I also got the Yamato transformable um, Motor Slave with Pris uh, vehicle on that. You can obviously you can tell I'm a Pris fan, and I'm proud of it. Um, I even got one of those like little 80 police figures. They got like the 16 articulation figure, the Boomer, and they got the 280 police soldiers with it. I found that in amazement last year for like 30 bucks. Pop, it's about what it would be on online around that amount, but I'm can't complain. Um, yeah, I think the only thing else I can think of is a my Ritsuko Akagi uh, statue that I got at Nashikon, which Ritsuko is the only. F- person I like from Evangelion, even though she didn't pilot an Ava, and she's not 14. You know, so... Hey, I like... I like girls like her, even though she ends up dying in the hands of... Well, I don't want to spoil it. But yeah, that's what I would consider most valuable in my collection. Probably my most valuable collectible to myself is probably my... Um, there's an OVA, this rare OVA by Studio Unicorn called California Crisis. I used to be part of Back of BT Box fan subbing group, and we actually fan sub that. And I have a rare promotional um, item that they released, and that was the California Crisis floatboard. So that was really hard to find. So definitely that would be my most valuable um, for me personally. Also, I collect posters. I have a lot of like vintage posters. Um, I like my Macross poster. It, it says Coming Summer 1984 for Macross Do You Remember Love? It's a really, really beautiful poster. So of all my posters, I think that's probably my favorite. So those are the two that are most valuable to me just for overall my um, anime love and my anime heart. So. I guess another thing I used to get was uh, soundtracks on CDs. That quickly uh, became out of practice because uh, importing those CDs, it'd be like $30 a CD. And sometimes, you know, you'd pay that price and still get the bootleg version anyway. And so I just stopped that altogether. And now I think is MP3 piracy anyway. Um, but perhaps one of my most treasured, I guess, memorabilia things, I had gotten a sh- into a show in, in my teenage years um, called The Violinist of Hamelin. This was a thing where um, the anime was way, way better than the manga, even though the manga came out first. So an exception to my rule that I said way back when... Um, the anime adaptation scenario wise was written by Yasuhiro Imagawa, the guy who made Giant Robo, uh, the OAV animation for that. And, um, the soundtracks for this thing, it was a three disc soundtrack set. And when you bought, I guess, one of the discs, they came in a, a special box to hold all three of the discs in because a, a plot point in the cartoon is a MacGuffin item. Not really a MacGuffin because people know exactly what it does. But um, Pandora's box and, uh, you know, just like a reference to the um, same item from Greek mythology. And so the box that holds the CDs is shaped like the Pandora's box in the show. And I have that autographed by Yasuhiro Imagawa because when he came to America, I needed something for him to sign. And everyone was bringing maybe um, G Gundam or Giant Robo stuff. And I was like, uh, I'll be d- different. I'll bring a Shin Getter Robo, you know, the Armageddon, Getter Robo Armageddon and a Violinist of Hamelin. And uh, that really surprised him because nobody else uh, had brought something from that show for him to sign. And um, 
because of that, I think uh, they invited me afterwards, after his uh, speaking engagement, to, to hang out with him at the, the consulate's place. And uh, that, that was a really memorable night, because I've never done anything like that before or since. Um, uh, so that, that's probably, like, you know, the reminder, like, as far as, like, an item that is, like, uh, not necessarily... It's, it's worth money, I guess, but, I mean, you know, it's more for, like, a memory than anything. Um, and that's another reason why I don't really collect a lot of memorabilia and stuff or even get autographs much anymore. Uh, now that I have a podcast, the interview is my memento of having met that person. The article that I wrote is my um, the thing, my item that says, yeah, I met that guy and, you know, talked to him about whatever and did that thing. Um, so that's another reason. But yeah, if I had to name one, it would be that uh, that Pandora's box. Question number 20. What was the first and what was the last collectible you've purchased? The first collectible I got was a it was a garage kit of the Giver, but it was a super deformed version of the Giver, uh, which I bought in Sydney Chinatown. And um, yeah, for this one, uh, all the parts were uncolored and in little plastic bags. And um, you had to kind of put the plastic in hot water and then stick the arm sockets in. And then when it would uh, dry, they'd expand and then, you know, stay in the sockets, which was cool. Um, I didn't, you know, you didn't have to use any glue or anything like that, which I appreciated. Uh, however, I am a person who has absolutely no interest in painting models whatsoever. Uh, so I gave it to a friend of mine to paint. Uh, and he did a good job, although he didn't exactly paint it completely, uh, accurately, you know, according to the Giver. But I didn't, uh, worry about that too much. So that was the first collectible I got. Uh, at the time, I was a pretty big Giver fan, as most 15-year-olds are. Or were. Um, and the most recent collectible was the aforementioned uh, Sega uh, Special Edition Hokdonoken statue, which um, is, uh, let me see, about, is it 20 inches? Okay, wait, uh, I'll just uh, put it next to my penis. Uh, okay, fold it in half. Yes, about 20 inches big. So, uh, yeah, that's the newest one I got. And it's looking staring at me right now very uh happily in a uh, glass cabinet next to me um also it bears mentioning that uh last week i my friend showed me a uh, quite a famous plaza in hong kong uh for um sort of retro stuff retro collectibles and anime collectibles and um uh you know, I was looking, and not just Japanese stuff, although plenty of that as well, but uh, lots of sort of American stuff like 70s and 60s Batman toys and all sorts of stuff. And uh, I took a picture, Regan, just for you. And that was, and I'm just going through my uh, camera now, um, that was a little mini arcade machine. Like it was um, a handheld game. <laughs> so it's about the size, you know, of, of a Nintendo DS or something, um, but it's made to look like a little arcade, a flat top arcade cabinet, and it is a L LCD, um, uh, you know, a little handheld game of uh, that show that you like, Plores Sanchiro, which was, you know, about those little fighting robots. So I took a picture of that for you, and I will uh, send it with you. I hope you can post it in your show notes. 
Um, I'm sure this is the sort of collectible you'd love. Uh, Plores, is that what it's called? Plores Sanshiro was um, probably bigger in Hong Kong than it was in Japan. So, uh, thus this collectible was, uh, it, it wasn't cheap. So, uh, there you go. Uh, I don't really know. I, I did buy, like, the limited edition Berserk DVD that came with the action figure, even though I'm not really an action figure person. Um, uh, maybe a cell or something that I bought? I still have, like, the old Green Legend Ran VHS, like, box set thing that was very elaborate. Um, I do... In uh, I think the last uh, the last collectible I bought was probably a cell or so maybe some some time ago. Um, oh wait, I do I didn't purchase it, but I do have a, a great uh, Vega figure that uh, one of our fans bought for me uh, from Harmageddon. Uh, the very asymmetrical design. I uh, I love that greatly. I didn't even know that that was being made. But uh, that's that's probably the last thing that I have owned, and that was you know a couple of months ago. I'd probably say my first collectible was a figurine of Asuka from uh, Evangelion. The last collectible I purchased was probably Taiga from Toradora. I collected a small figurine of Taiga. That's the last thing I got. I think that's about it. Does Gunpla count for this question? Because if it does. I've got quite a bit of Gunpla, and again, back in high school, about 10 years ago when I started getting into Gundam, around that time, because it was a great time to get into Gundam, um, my first Gunpla was the uh, crappy little high-grade 144 of uh, the Gundam EZ-8 from 8th MS team. I still love that thing. Um, I've got a master grade of it, but both of those are in a box in storage, along with in some box out of the three or four that I have of Gunpla figures. I've got about, last time I counted, about 160 plus, but most of those I got from a friend of mine, and I actually bought a huge bulk of them from him for like 20 bucks, and I can't complain. And by a huge bulk, I mean it took up a large portion of my uh, Chevy Cavalier ha uh, two-door hatch that I that I drive right now, which I love that car. Um, I guess, like if, that, if that question counts, then sure. Uh, I think the last collectible I purchased, um, I guess for action figures was the Reveltech Kenshiro figure, and he's got the battle scars on him, and I actually had to use him for a school project uh, for a comic book we had to work on, which I had to use him for, I mean, decided to make a comic book out of my, or for my friend's uh, iTunes game, Saturday Morning RPG, and I wanted to make like a comic book tutorial kind of thing with it, so I had him as the main person in the game. And um, I just had to go through Photoshop and add a shirt on him or whatever, because the figure itself doesn't come with any kind of clothing, because Kenshiro has to fight without a shirt off, or without a shirt on, so... But the comic turned out okay, I guess, but as long as my friend likes it when I give it to him eventually, then he won't complain. Um, yeah, I loved it. I love to have that figure, or I'm glad I got that figure when I did. It was more of an impulse buy, because I didn't go to Animasement this year, and... I was just like, ah, I'll, I'll eventually get something. And eventually, apparently I bought him the same price as I did with Rao, which I might get a Rao one day. I don't know. Well, the first anime collectible I probably purchased was Gundam models. A lot of them still not built. 
Um, the last being, um, I collect a lot of like um, movie books, like character design books. And the last one I also I just got was actually Galaxy Express 3.9 character design book. I also have Gal. I just got the Galforce one. I get a lot of mecha design books, but definitely the last one was uh, Galaxy Express character design book. I love um, any kind of Roman albums or books from Japan. I order a lot of them off eBay and uh, get a lot of satisfaction from just the drawings of mecha and spaceships and beautiful shows like that I enjoy. So there you have it. Incredibly difficult question to answer. I don't even know um, an answer to either of them, really. Um, first collectible I purchased. Jeez, I mean, uh, you know, to go back way the heck back to uh, the 90s, there wasn't a whole lot of collectible gear to get. It was all like all the money went into actually getting the comics, getting the movies, getting the DVDs, right? So, I mean, uh, if I had to name a collectible, it would be related to the acquisition of DVDs. I'd have to count that as a collectible. And so, for example, when Serial Experiments Lane came out on DVD in America, they had a, a lunchbox that it came with. If you uh, if you bought that set, that really uh, there was a you know $120 set or whatever it was, and all four discs came in a lunchbox with the soundtrack. And I was like, oh, okay, I'll buy that. I still got it. I still have my Serial Experiments Lane lunchbox with the Boa single on it. Um, and so that's probably like. I don't even know if it really counts as the first, but it's like the oldest one that I can remember. As far as the most recent, it might even go back like, you know, two years since I've bought any like collectible stuff. And it was probably like a, a Revoltec figure from Fist of the North Star, probably for, um, you know, a, a repurchase of like a Kyoto one that I would bought uh, like uh, similarly, like I maybe bought another Kenshiro or another Ray. And um, I still need more Revoltex. I still want their Souther. I still want their Zed. I still want, you know, the list goes on. Uh, the main one I want is Souther and that's long out of print. If I had to like get like one collectible that I really would want to get, it would be the Revoltec Black Getter. Um, not the Shin Getter Robo, but the, uh, Black Getter from Getter Robo Armageddon. I would really like that one. Um, just the, the few times I saw it several, several years ago, they cost way too much money. Like the markup was too high. And now it's, um, been out of print for years and nobody has got extra copies of that. Maybe if I went on eBay, somebody might have it. Uh, and just, and then it gets to the point where it's like, do I want to spend, you know, $50, $60 on a small toy robot? And I'd have to think about it. But yeah, that's probably uh, the last one I got was years ago, an action figure. Question 21. Is current anime inferior to the older anime? Was anime actually better in the 80s, in mid-90s, than current anime being produced? My question to you is, how does modern anime stand up? in regards to older anime overall, in your opinion. Also, are there any current shows that you're enjoying? If so, please enlighten us. You know, these sort of debates are uh, quite difficult and uh, definitely a can of worms that uh, I am uh, somewhat cautious about opening. I mean, it's very transparent that, you know, the fact that I enjoy older anime uh why i enjoy older anime is i think especially the the 80s i mean i'm a child of the 80s of course so um i will always feel an affection to stuff produced in that decade 
but it was also a very um, experimental decade. I mean, you just couldn't imagine an OVA like Cool Cool Bye Bye coming out these days, or something that uh, was wonderfully produced but completely n not financially viable at all, something like, uh, again, I'll go back to California Crisis, um, you know, something like that. It's, just, it's not really commercially viable at all, but, you know, they just had so much money uh, and they were just so, you know, there was a, a lot of passion in the industry back then, I think. Uh, I mean, don't get me wrong, uh, I don't think much has changed for animators. They don't get that much, and it's a very slow, laborious ladder to climb. But, uh, you know, there was certainly, you know, a lot of passion, you can say. And I think the other issue is that, like I said, what's what's selling these days? It's moe, it's high school settings, it's uh, yeah, stuff like that, which is stuff that I don't have a very strong connection to at all. What was big in the 80s? I mean, you think of um, action films, sci-fi, fantasy, uh, and usually uh, all of the above. I mean, you look at the... Um, sort of the releases of, of canon films, you know, those sort of over-the-top action films, uh, things like Commando, Arnold Schwarzenegger's Commando, things like that that just wouldn't, if they were released today, they'd be a very deliberate homage to that sort of a stuff. Um, and, you know, 80s anime naturally has a lot of these things. You know, the popularity of Blade Runner in Japan gave us things like Bubblegum Crisis, which, you know, was a big fan favorite back in the day. Uh, the uh, desire for experimentation gave us things like uh, Cool Cool Bye Bye and Birth, which, uh, as I said before, in terms of child rearing, Birth is a, a gorgeous baby, but uh, unfortunately it's rather retarded. I mean, let's be honest, uh, you know, story-wise, Birth is not a terribly good OVA, but uh, in terms of animation, I mean, it's should be required viewing for most animators. It's gorgeous. So. so you can probably say, yes, okay, fine. There were derivative things happening in the 80s. I mean, I'm sure there were some people that uh, just didn't have an interest in sci-fi back in 1986 and saying, oh, just all, all anime these days is is sci-fi. And also, I mean, when I first got into anime uh, through Manga UK and the relatively short-lived Manga Australia, Manga Video, uh, you know, for the most part, what was I getting into? I was uh, OVAs. You know, TV series were not really considered viable until several years later, certainly not in the PAL market. I mean, most of the TV series I bought, I spent hundreds of dollars on Renmar one half, uh, you know, I ordered from uh, the USA. It could be argued that when I got into anime, uh, you know, Manga Video had decades of stuff, uh, and almost a full decade of stuff just in the 80s alone. Of course, sort of, Manga Video really became big at 1990, I think, 1991. So, you know, they had all the 80s to pick from. So, it, you know, I was enjoying every single thing that was coming out. And I mean, a lot of the, uh, the first 10 releases of Manga Video, a lot of them are sort of my favorites. Um, Project Aiko was a huge favorite. Uh, Akira, uh, Lensman, and a lot of these films, you know, they were made years apart. Cyber City Oedo, of course. I mean, the the 
uh, production distance between Cyber City Oedo and uh, Lensman were something like six years or something. Although, because you know we're just getting all of these at uh, at once, you know it makes it gives you the impression that every single Japanese animation coming out is is gold. However, in terms of production design and experimentation, let's disregard genre because perhaps that's a generational thing. But I do truly think that the uh, the 80s and the early 90s were the golden age of anime, or specifically 90, let's say 1980, 1984 to 1992. I'll say is like what Regan said before, the golden bubble. I think. Watch Megazone 23 Part Two or uh, any of the segments in Robot Carnival, look at the detail put into the animation. That's just not present today. And I think, in many ways, sort of contemporary anime has been Disneyfied in that the character animation is really good, but the detail is lacking. I think in the older days, you know, you'd look at the Yoshiaki Kawajiri sort of at the stuff. There was immense attention to detail. Whilst character animation might not have been as fluid as the Disney theatrical releases, but uh, the attention to detail was certainly, certainly much better. But I suppose that's what a golden age is. It's several factors that contributed to the high production values and the highly experimental nature of 80s stuff that we just, you know, will... Other circumstances arise that put Japanese animation into that position again? Probably not. Is it a case like the history of the automobile? The early ones were beautiful to behold, and um, you know each one, in and of itself, kind of a work of art. Now we're in the age of sort of mass production, where we get as many things as possible out as possible. Uh, and they, you know, they they all look pretty much the same to each other. Uh, then again, I'm not kidding myself. I mean, it is a largely mercenary business. Uh, Japanese studios did a ton of American uh, work for American studios and whatnot. But again, we had a lot of new talent, a lot of money, a lot of experimentation, and I think it made something magic. That's just my own personal opinion, but I think it's shared by a lot of other old school fans. Now, in terms of current shows, my definition of current and uh, most anime fans' definition of current is probably going to be quite different. Uh, but And I've said it before and I'll say it again. I really, really enjoyed the, especially the first season of The Tower of Druaga. Uh, despite it being a gonzo show, I really did enjoy it. Uh, I don't know if it's just because it uh, managed to scratch an itch. Uh, but I, yeah, it had, and perhaps it was because it had a certain retro flavor to it. I'm not exactly sure, but I really did enjoy the the first season, The Tower of Draga. The second season, I did not enjoy as much because um, the the tower became less of a sort of RPG esque uh, tower and more of a sort of a um, spiritual, metaphysical tower of the mind, you know. Uh, which I, I just didn't enjoy as much. But still, that was something that I really enjoyed. Uh, again, I don't think it's going to be everybody's cup of tea. Now, I am also in the middle of watching something which is this year recent, <laughs> which is uh, something I haven't done in a long time. Uh, but, and, and hear me out, this might sound uh, unlike me, but 
Uh, it's set in a high school setting, um, which you know is a bit overdone these days, I think. But uh, it deals with uh, one of my favourite plot devices, and that's sort of the the labyrinth. Come to think of it, most of my favourite films uh, involve a labyrinth of some sort or labyrinth-esque uh, adventure. Big Trouble in Little China, and of course Labyrinth, just to name a few. It's called Dusk Maiden of Amnesia, and I don't know if it'll turn out to be very good or not, but the first two episodes at least wanted me to to, um, to watch more. But uh, it's about a, a high school that's been renovated uh, umpteen times, so much so that a lot of the rooms and, and even whole buildings aren't in use anymore, uh, and... Um, Sometimes uh, some of the students get lost, and there is you know, mystery inside. And one such character encounters a ghost who actually died in the school that uh, only he and one of the girl can see. And there's a bit of a mystery surrounding that. Um, there's still your typical goofy, oops, I accidentally grabbed your boobs jokes, but um, I'm enjoying it so far, at least. I mean, again, I'm a sucker for the labyrinth uh, plot. And I don't know if it'll end up being good overall, but I, I'm enjoying it so far. Um, and it was animated by a production company called Silverlink, uh, whom I hadn't really heard of before. Apparently they did a lot of sort of extra secondary work, but this is the, something that they've done more or less uh, entirely by themselves. And the animation quality in this one is uh, really good. So... Uh, if sort of the, the mystery labyrinth-esque shows are, are your kind of thing, and I know it's a very strange, niche thing to be interested in, but um, yeah, I like something with a labyrinth. Uh, so I, I'm enjoying it so far. I think really the only real big difference between modern anime and the older anime is r really when it comes down to like anime that is targeted towards anime fans uh, because that you know there wasn't as much anime targeted to anime fans um up until you know maybe the 90s or so in the late night anime and the fan service anime didn't really exist a whole lot before the 90s um, but, you know, 80s stuff, there was still garbage made in the 80s, and the fan service stuff back then was mostly relegated to, like, one-shot OAVs and such, which, you know, were $80, and, you know, it was one thing it was done. Um, I do admire the actual animation technique that was used in the older shows, but I don't necessarily think that those shows are better or worse. I, I enjoyed... I enjoy a lot of those older shows more just because uh, they have kind of an aesthetic that I enjoy. I like um, I like shows that uh, you know have very detailed robots and mecha in them, and those shows aren't really made a whole lot anymore. So I would say personally, I enjoy a lot of those older shows, but are they actually worse or better shows? I I don't really know if I agree with that. I think that there are some great shows being made today. This last season was extraordinarily good. There were maybe five shows that were worth watching and maybe three really good shows. Um, this current season coming up, there isn't really anything worth watching, but you know, that's 
I mean, it's just making up for, you know, this, this excellency's previous season. So, uh, no, I don't really think, I think that there's always been crap and there's always been good stuff. Um, the animation today is much more polished than it ever was back in the, in the 80s and 90s, but there's less of a human touch to it. There's less, you know, softness to it. Um, but, you know, that's just, you know, how things go. And as for current shows, there's a lot of good stuff. I'm watching um, Kids on the Slope. It's, it's not my favorite, but it's an interesting show. I'll, when I finish it, I'll, you know, have a better idea, you know, how I feel about it. Um, I'm watching, you know, the girl called Fujiko. I like that a lot. Um, there's uh, a liking uh, Akiba Ranger, which is, you know, not anime at all, but uh, is still, you know, mighty entertaining. Um, so there's there's oh yeah polar bear cafe there's there's a lot of good stuff um so yeah those those are just a couple of things that i'm watching that come to mind no i don't think current anime is inferior to older anime i think older anime was better at telling its stories how's that okay yeah yeah anime was better in the 80s and 90s because they were able to throw money against the wall for most productions and just make anything they wanted. And as a result, they didn't have to worry about, well, how much is this going to cost us in terms of animation? Da, 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 da. So they were able to ex- kind of expand their mind, so to speak. So much like, you know, the way the goons used to write and record all of their comedy for the BBC, they would just throw jokes against the wall and see what stuck. In the same way, anime in the 80s and 90s, they just threw stuff against the wall. And if anything stuck, great, we keep it. Anything that didn't, we'll lose it. Today, anime is very much run by committee, and as a result, it, it it doesn't have the breadth and scope that it once did. Modern anime, yeah, I can't really get into modern anime. I, not, that's not fair. I can get into modern anime. I just don't have as much enthusiasm for it as I do for older stuff. Current anime I'm enjoying, but Asia Space Pirates. That was the last show that I watched to recent memory. I loved it to bits. I thought it was great. I loved all of the spring season of anime, including Polar Bear Cafe and the other stuff that was in there, like Kids on the Slope. Do I think any of these questions are stupid? No, Regan, there are no stupid questions, only stupid answers, and I hope that none of my answers were stupid. Uh, and I'll answer question 22 for you as well, if you want. Will AWO ever do another three-hour mecha podcast yeah yeah they will as long as you can find a goat to sacrifice a virgin to throw into a volcano a god to raise from his bone altar you'll need to actually fly in godzilla at some point but if you can get all of those things crossed off then yeah i think you stand a good chance of getting AWO to do a three-hour mecha podcast hey stranger things have happened you know so i'm gonna sign off and say thank you very much for the opportunity and as always Yes, sir. Captain Regan, sir. Follow you anywhere, sir. Regarding current anime being inferior, I have to really agree to that. Not everything is downright stupidly overdone and over like texturized and just over, you know the same old crap over and over again that apparently makes the money. But I mean, yeah, like, like I said, not all of it's like that. There's some certain shows that they, you know, will, Japan will like to do an experiment with that, you know, either turns out for the best, and maybe for the worst. But it's usually like it's, you know, they, at least they tried. Um, you know, Redline is a perfect example of something that was thought up in 1995, that was, you know, made only a few years ago, 
and people like me and others like it because it was a show that was definitely that definitely could have been popular in 1995 for sure. I have to say that anime I think was better in, uh, than today's stuff regarding in the 80s and 90s because that's the majority of the stuff I liked watching. Uh, regarding for you know going back to fan subs and stuff like what I've been downloading recently, I mean I gave that example of. Red Photon Zillion. I mean, the only people who might know about that title are the people who have it for the game for the Sega Master, Master System, which I've got the second one that I picked up because I would know about that. And there might be three or four of the people in the States that would know about that, like me, so... I mean, yeah, I mean, I got stuff like that. I mean, I love Yoshiaki Karajiri anime before 2002, <laughs> which, when I say that, I'm not really counting Highlander, but maybe I should go back and watch Highlander again. Maybe it wasn't as bad as I thought it was. Um, I mean, yeah, I I happen just to enjoy that stuff. I guess it might just be what I'm into, and it's just like the same stuff. I just I just can't grasp why it's so popular. It's just always the same thing over and over again. And it's like, how many more Moe shows and fetish shows do we have to make and add a you know a semi crappy love story, and then people want to say it's oh it's so good when it's clearly not. I mean, you're trying to stand on that statement, and people just don't get it, because they're weeaboos, and they just don't understand. So, I don't know. I You fight the battle the best you can on that, so... Um, how does modern anime stand up? I, I mean, again, it's just kind of like what I just said, so maybe that just answered two questions at the same time. Um, the current shows that I'm enjoying or currently watching, not a lot of anime I'm watching currently. I think the most recent stuff I actually liked was um, uh, Astro Fighter Sun Red, because that was a really, it was a pretty cool show. Um, and there's some other stuff I want to check out too, I just haven't had time. Um, the most recent thing I watched out of this past season, um, it wasn't anime, but it was a tokusatsu show called um, Akiba Ranger. I love that show, and I'm not even a Sentai fan. I think because I like the fact that um, people can dress up as Power Rangers and have these delusions and go insane, and then, you know, they think getting drunk will make them stronger, and it does. And anything with alcohol just has my interest, so I can't argue with that show. And then I watched two episodes of Mysterious Girlfriend X, a.k.a. The Spit Show, and I went to bed pissed off that night. I mean, my one of my co-hosts on my podcast and this other girl we know of, like, they say it's so good... And the red flag went off six minutes in the first episode, and I should have just stopped it. But I was like, no, I'll, I'll go power through. And I think it's one of those shows that, you know, people do that expression thing when you watch uh, Two Girls, One Cup. But it's like watching, doing that when people watch Mysterious Girlfriend X. Because I don't see anything redeeming out of that show. I, even the two episodes I got. And it's like, you have to watch more of it in order for it to get better. If they just got rid of the spit, then, I mean... It would be a halfway decent show. It probably wouldn't have been as interesting, but it would have been without the spit. <laughs> so maybe they're going for the shock factor. I, I don't know. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's all my 21 questions. I too bad I'm not an AWO material person to ask the super secret question Reagan wanted them to ask, but you know whatever. It's Reagan's thing. I again, Reagan, I want to thank you for giving me this stuff to talk about and give my peace of mind on it and. I guess I'll go through this audio file and kind of edit things unless you want to do it. Now I'll just go ahead and do it. So, um, but yeah, definitely check out my podcast at cybernautscast.wordpress.com. I gave Reagan an advertisement thing to play, which he might do it on this episode. Chances are maybe not. I don't know. But yeah, if you guys 
like the way I sound and like, oh, you're a funny guy to listen to and waste an hour of my time once a week, then I'm not going to question it. So you should definitely come over and listen to us and see what we got. We're As of this recording, we're about to start Kawajiri Month. So by the time this comes out, there will be no more internet. Maybe. But no, thank you for having me on, Reagan. Question 21. Does a modern anime stand up to the golden age of anime? I'd say no. I'd say call a spade a spade. I mean, there's always going to be good anime. But overall, I'd say, at least for me personally, the kind of anime that I enjoy, I mean, most of those shows, I have to go back. I mean, if I want to see amazing mecha, if I want to see amazing fight scenes with robots or science fi sci-fi epics, honestly, do you see a lot of sci-fi epics being made? Do you see a lot of e epic mecha being made? No, you don't. Do you see a lot of, like, busty space opera bouncing boobs and machine guns no you don't i mean i can be diplomatic and say well you know there's a lot of good shows coming out this year eh, there's a few but i mean is it the kind of anime that you enjoy is it the kind of animation like literally the animation movement that you want to see uh i don't know i haven't seen many explosions in space this season i haven't seen many explosions in space the season before so no the only shows that i really enjoy are remakes of uh, older shows like Space Battleship Yamato the remake, Space Adventure Cobra remake, or say something like Gundam, Gundam Unicorn, or like the new Lupin. So, I don't know. It just seems like the new anime series are dull. They're boring. It's just all Moe crap. The mecha stuff, I don't know. It's just not as good. So, for me personally, I think 80s and 90s anime was superior overall. Superior in content, superior in animation techniques. I don't know. Let me ask you a question. I mean, you could be PC and say that, um, you know, I'm just an old kerfuffle and that this is not actually the case. But let me ask you a question, okay? If you see a beautifully animated uh, mecha in all its glory, all its parts and moving its cell animation... And then you look at some CGI, it looks like a video game from the 1990s, slapped on there. Which is better? Let me ask you that question. Okay? Do you want to watch another rock and roll, um, new girl at high school, cutesy cutesy? Or do you want to watch an epic galactic war? Because if I ask you that question, you know you're going to have to go to the old school if you want to watch the latter. If you want to watch the Galactic Civil War, you got to go back. You can't go forward. It's just not happening. So, you know, hopefully things will turn around. But right now, I'm going to give a deep opinion and say, yes, 80s and 90s was superior. Come on, New World. Let's get some explosions in space and change my mind. There you have it, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, inferior to what? Did I hit pause too soon? the older anime i did hit pause too was soon. anime actually better in the 80s and mid 90s than current anime being produced my question to you is oh i hit pause again too. how does modern anime oh, stand up he just paused really long in regards to older anime overall in your opinion also ah he said also screw you i'm gonna answer this part first um because it was already a multi-part question um all right the question is semi-loaded 
and maybe slightly inelegant as far as what it's actually trying to get at. Um, what I will say about anime in the 80s and even up to the 90s is that in general, it seems, there was more money going around in the Japanese economy such that more projects would be greenlit to be made that would otherwise not get made now in the modern era. People could make things that were weird little tie-ins to comics or they'd give somebody who'd never really made something before a shot when they were very young in their 20s, let's say. In terms of animation budgets, sometimes they would have more money for that, perhaps. Uh, your mileage can vary. Um, there was a lot more tendency towards sci-fi, uh, action-y type stuff. Uh, and so all of those things could be viewed as arguments as to why that old era was better, because a lot of that stuff is not the case anymore. There isn't really that much money going around. They typically are very hesitant to greenlight projects that aren't safe bets. You don't see too many weird things out there. I mean, even the Noitamina block, which was supposed to be like the experimental sort of Jose anime adaptations kind of uh, block, even that is throwing in their more otaku-friendly things to sell merchandise um, more likely to. So anime is much more polarized or, you know, set into its type such that you can look at the picture and say, oh, it's one of those shows, it's one of those shows, it's one of those shows, oh, I need to watch that. And I do the exact same thing and maybe I find, like, um, two anime a season to, to watch. And perhaps the argument can be made that um, if you were to go back and look at the years as far as what actually held up and what is still good, that, that ratio is similar. But in terms of a uh, number of shows being made now, there's way, way, way more things being made. And it feels like the overall number, not like necessarily the rate, but like the number of good things has been constant. So like, let's say if I can find like 10 shows a year in 1990, whatever, and 10 shows a year in 2000, whatever, it's probably a worse indictment of the 2000 era just because there were like several times more shows being made a year. Um, that might be one way of looking at it. I think there are still a couple of good things, but they tend to, you know, buck the trend, so to speak. I mean, um, the things that I like tend to be initial, like explicitly conceived as throwback to a prior time, like the going to guy OAV revival type stuff. Like, yeah, Mazenkaiser Skull is great, but do we count Mazenkaiser Skull as a new anime or is it a anime that is trying to be evocative of how anime air quotes used to be close air quotes. That's the question. Um, brand new shows. I mean, yeah, we've got like, um, we're hot off the heels of one of the greatest anime seasons like ever, you know, not just eighties, nineties, um, you know, ever. Um, you know, there were multiple great shows that were on. Some of them were still on the Space Brothers and what have you. But I mean, like we had a, a new Lupin the third, which, you know, hey, does that count as new? Cause Lupin's been on forever, you know, put that aside. Um, Kids on the Slope, which, you know, okay, yeah, wasn't, you know, as good as everyone was hoping because it was from the maker of Kali Bebop. Um, you know, Space Brothers, great show. Um, you know, we're getting like this, you know, pretty great, uh, AKB 0048 show. But yeah, that's Shoji Kawamori. That's the Macross guy. You know, does he count as a new talent or does he count as, uh, an old guy still, you know, beating his own drum in the modern age? You know, th this is a difficult question to answer. Um, so I will say that, 
you know, new anime is much more risk averse than anime used to be. Um, there are much fewer theatrical films, which is, uh, one of the big draws for, you know, early anime fans was watching movies and OAVs. And there aren't really that many of those anymore. The OAVs that get made are typically things that are first for, say, pay TV stations like the equivalent of HBO. And that's where all the like really violent stuff, you know, that still gets made even shows up. But it's maybe one or two of those a year as opposed to a lot because, um, the route that most of those OAV equivalent things go is more the pornography side, more showing naked breasts kind of thing. Um, being really pervy. Uh, I, I like, um, people getting shot and killed a lot more. And, um, for that, I need to go back to the eighties and nineties because, uh, the super violent stuff just doesn't really happen nearly with as much regularity as it did back then. So that's that's my way of answering it. You can interpret that to mean that old anime was, quote, better, but I don't really want to fall into that because it it's not inherently better. It's, um you know, weird external circumstances. All right, so that's the first part of your question. Let me see what is your also part that you're about to throw on me. Are there any current shows that you're enjoying? If so, please enlighten us. Okay, I, I already answered it. Great. I um Yeah, like I said... um. There are a lot of good current shows that are on that are great, and I named most of them already. Um, even, uh, you know, well, let's see, like, do we count that as recent now that it's ended? I don't, I don't want to go there. The current, like, as of right now, time of this recording, September 8th season of anime is actually pretty weak. Um, it's a summer season, not that good. Most of the things that are worth watching are things that are carried over from the previous season. Next season, though, looks like it has some promise. There are a lot of really cool movies coming out, and I hope that they get licensed. I hope somebody um, brings them out here. Worst case scenario, maybe someone will fan sub them, but as a rule, anime studios are kind of bad at releasing movies, and uh, fan subbers only so-so at, at fan subbing movies. How many years has it been and we still don't have the new Fist of the North Star movies, the ones that got made recently? Maybe Discotheque will release them at some point. I mean, uh, it's worth a shot. I think it'll happen. But we're getting a new JoJo's Bizarre Adventure TV show, and I don't know what to think about that. The more I look at it, the more I'm not sure if it's going to be good. But I'm going to watch that. Absolutely. It's not out yet, though, so I can't really uh, use that as a current show. But yeah, I, I named about you know four or five currently running shows that are are pretty good just now. So I think uh, I'll leave it at that because uh, we're coming up on 90 minutes. Gentlemen, please do humor me and answer this question. Question 22. Will the anime world order ever do another three-hour all-mecha podcast? Will we do another three-hour mecha podcast? I I would do that in a heartbeat. I would do it tomorrow. Uh, it's just a matter of, you know, getting all the material together and, uh, you know, getting uh, everyone, you know, coordinated for it. Uh, that's kind of a thing that I think would be good if we could, you know, plan it for, you know, maybe Thanksgiving or something when we've got the time to throw all of that together. Uh, I love doing those mecha shows. Um, I'm actually watching uh, some of the older ones now. Uh, I'm watching uh, uh, Galliant. Um, someone uh, fan subbed all of that, so you know I'm I'm moving through that one a bit slowly, but uh, that's a, that's a great one. So yeah, I I would I would do that you know tomorrow. Sure, I would not have any objections to you being on AWO Regan. I think uh, if we were going to call you on, we'd probably call you on for um. I mean, you've been spending a lot of time on that 2003 Astro Boy, and I know we maybe only talked about that a bit in passing. Um, 
because we have in the past reviewed uh, various Astro Boy things, and we did have uh, Mark Handler on years and years ago, a guy who worked on the 2003 Astro Boy show, and he talked about the creation of it. But now that it's um, the fan sub of that is is nearing completion, if not completed, I, I think you said it was actually done. Um, or at least I, I know, I think you said the first half of it, but yeah, we've had like three shows where we talked about Astro Boy, um, in some form or fashion, but I think if maybe we had you on, uh, sort of to talk about it in general, maybe, uh, maybe that would be good. I think, um, that's something that you've been kind of immersed in lately. Uh, or you could talk about maybe, um, you know, if you wanted to really get into the Mecca stuff. Um, I don't know if I would want, to do a Fang of the Sun Dugram podcast without Tim Eldred. <laughs> That's kind of like, you know, and Dugram begat Votoms kind of thing. So, um, as for your actual last question, will there be another three hour Mecca thing? The reason those shows were three hours was not because we sat down in a contiguous block of time and talked about Mecca for three hours. It was because we, did a review and then we'd reconvene at a later date and do another review and then do another review and then do a news segment and, and each of these things and then read emails and each of these things would be done on, on different days, often days apart. And then we'd put them all together and release it. What that means is, is that we would have substantial amounts of time where we would have edited, completed reviews done that we just hadn't posted yet because we were waiting on other materials to be recorded that hadn't even been recorded yet to be recorded, then edited and all that. And we figured it'd just be more efficient for the people to release things as they come out. That's basically the reason why there is not another three-hour show is uh, because of that approach. Um, so I would say no, just because it would require us to wait on stuff that's already been finished. And usually what we end up doing is, okay, I'm going to watch this. I'm going to put my recording out, do the editing and put it up there. And even at that, AWO is coming out like monthly. And that kind of sucks. I admit um, it would be even worse if we met, went and made the shows longer. I mean, think about this. Um, look how long it's taken me to answer your questions. And that's just me talking. Now add two more people who also talk as much as I do, if not more, uh, and, and the shows end up being unwieldy. Um, I mean, I, I usually diffuse the issue. I evade the issue by reviewing things that I know the other people haven't seen and they don't have as much to say about it. Um, so yeah, probably not. So anyway, uh, this is me, Daryl Surratt from the Anime World Order podcast at www.animeworldorder.com. I'm also a writer for Otaku USA magazine at otakuusamagazine.com, which is available not just in print, but also in digital, available via Kindle, via, um, iPad, I, uh, iOS store uh, as well. And you can, uh, get things through the Android store as well as that. So, um, even though it's a magazine, you can get it digitally on the internet. There's also free articles on the website for you to read. Uh, some of which I have uh, contributed to in the past. I haven't done one in a while, but, uh, that will change kind of soon, I imagine. And I will be at Anime Week in Atlanta at the end of the month. Um, uh, two more weeks or so, three more weeks. I'd better get cracking on that. So uh, that's me signing off, and uh, I might just post this audio to, to kill time as bonus because, hey, it's recorded and it's done and it's ready. Um, and we got to get something out there, right? Ladies and gentlemen, thus concludes another epic 12 Questions Series 3 Reverse Edition. I'd like to thank again all my guests. 
make sure to go check out their podcast. They're great. They're the guys that I listen to. That's why I asked them on the show. Now, before we leave, ladies and gentlemen, <clears throat> the last 12 questions was Mech Edition. And it went really great. It's one of my most downloaded shows ever. But there was one individual that I always was disappointed I, w I couldn't have on that show. And, of course, that was 12 questions, Mech Editions. There's one character, his name is Andrew. He used to do Destroy All Podcasts, DX Podcast. He now does the Beef Show. This guy lives and breathes Mecca. And it just didn't seem right not to have him on the 12 Questions Mecca Edition. So ladies and gentlemen, coming up, we have a bonus. We have the Beef bringing some justice to 12 Question, the Mecca Series Edition. It's the Revenge of the Beef. Next time on Anime 82, ladies and gentlemen, I needed the Veef to do the 12 Questions Mecha series to bring justice because it just didn't seem right bringing you back to the anime love. Until then, ladies and gentlemen, I'll leave you. I always leave you by saying, I love you. Anime loves you, and the power of anime love compels you. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Open Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style. Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Opan Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Opan Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Opan Gangnam Style Gangnam Style Op, 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 op Opan Gangnam Style Hey, sexy lady Op, 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 op Opan Gangnam Style
나는 너 베베 베베 나는 뭘좀 아는 너 뛰는 놈그 위에 나는 놈 베베 베베 나는 뭘좀 아는 놈오빤 강남스타일 강남스타일 